Welcome to another episode of the Limitless Life Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Smith. And if you have not done so, be sure to hit that subscribe button so that you never miss another podcast. And if you love this podcast and you want some more tips and tricks on how to improve yourself, go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel. There are a ton of instructional videos there. You can find the links down below. But for today, today, my friends, we have the one, the only, the clarity coach himself, Dave Robinson. What's going on, y'all? Absolutely I, uh, stoked. Dude, me too. I uh, love the energy. Super, super excited to be here. I uh, like the intro as well. You know, uh, I do think if we had a crowd, we could get we could get that hypeness that we tried to get there with the, the faux whistles and claps and everything else. But you know, we're we're rocking and rolling with the people. I'm excited to chat, bro. That's sweet. I'm very, very pumped about it. So uh, a question I like to kind of get the ball rolling uh, is a pretty simple one. And it is, how do you impact the lives of the people around you? Mm, what, a, what a great intro question. Um, well, professionally, I am a story work coach. And that's the thing that I love to do the most. Uh, one of the things I love to do the most, it's the thing that I feel like I was born for and created for professionally. Um, the thing I could be the best in the world at one day, but it's it's a, a manner in which I help individuals uh, rewrite and rework the stories they, they tell themselves about their lives, past, present, and future. And so uh, that's one of my favorite ways to impact people. And otherwise I found that uh, I was actually in Barcelona, I believe, with my two little sisters, uh, and I saw a a sign in the window that said, "No, I, I wasn't in Barcelona. I was in somewhere else, but whatever. I was in Europe, and I saw a sign in the window that said, "Getting people stoked is the next superpower." And I was like, "Damn, that's one of my superpowers, right? It's like getting people stoked, uh, being the you can do it, the what if it goes right, the." Nah, you know, screw that, bro. You got this, you know, type type guy. Uh, so I guess being authentically me and providing support and clarity for friends, family, and otherwise. Um, and I'm a new uncle. By uh, like, yeah, thank you. Um, my sister had a baby like 18 months ago, 20 months ago. I don't know. Months are weird. Less than two, more than one, and. He's super cool. We have a ball and I'm thrilled to be an uncle and I'm excited to be a fun uncle too, you know, like a, a good fun uncle. So we hang out at least once a week, uh, often more, and we're always going outside and doing fun stuff, as fun stuff as we can do as a two-year-old. But um, I hope to impact the next generation in that way as well. I think that's really cool. I find uh, myself with a very similar kind of uh thought process i just well two well uh three i am also an uncle i've not met her yet because we haven't made our way out to british columbia yet but uh i think the idea of being a funkle a fun uncle the funkle uncle dave i i think that uh this the idea that you have where you get to have a positive impact and a positive contribution to uh the next generation or the 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 you're being a leader for the next chunk of leaders i suppose that have the same clarity and know how to articulate their stories in their past and their present and their future i think that is a 
that is a shared excitement that uh, I have with you as well. The idea of just this little molded mind with the knowledge we have now, our knowledge is going so much quicker that we're able to like get the ball rolling faster. And I think it's, and more effectively and more efficiently, I think that's really cool. Yeah. And, and kids, especially as a, you know, the younger you are, you have a very um, moldable and, and very uh, a high amount of plasticity in the brain and, and in the mind. And it's very much kids will follow what you do much more than what you say. And so by being outside, by putting my hands in the dirt and being in the garden, interacting with nature by, um, you know, being active by exercising, by walking, like, like by being just healthy, I can demonstrate that in a way that, uh, a lot of kids or people might not be able to to have, right. Uh, because they're either not aware or they don't care or whatever. They don't know how important it is or whatever, maybe, you know, so, um, I think there's a lot of different ways we can impact kids, stories, habits, health, um, how they spend their time. You know, are we sitting in front of the TV watching cartoons together or are we doing some of the former previously described, you know? So I don't know. Nice. both are great and I like being outside. That's awesome, dude. So uh, what is story work? Cause I am sure that's a, that's a word that many people don't really have in day to day conversations mm-hmm. well it, it's not writing uh or like you know being a better storyteller okay it's not storytelling right it is uh well let's let's even back up a little further a story is simply the tale we tell ourselves you know in our head our perceived meaning given to uh, a, a certain event right you know so you have something that happens x of x thing on x day you know, and it doesn't matter what the thing or the day is, right? It's just, you know, from then on, how you perceive that thing, your role in the story, other people's role in the story, you know, and, and the bigger the event, the bigger the story oftentimes. Um, you know, it, they stories become our belief systems, right? And stories are made up of sentences, which are made up of words. And the specific words we use, especially in patterns over time, there's patterns and types of words that create conflict internally and externally. And then there's patterns and type of words that build and architect the life and the reality that is uh, happy and fulfilling and, you know, impactful, right. And everything else that people would want. And so story work is working or uh, manipulating for the better the stories that we are telling ourselves, you know, and, and oftentimes that relates to things that were um, negatively impactful, shall we say, you know, in, in our past. Uh, sometimes it works with our current language, how we're talking to ourselves now, how our self-talk is, you know, positive, negative, or otherwise. And and sometimes it's related to the future, you know, what, what we want to do, what we think we can do, what we think we can't do, what obstacles we think are in our way and, you know, it's et cetera, et cetera. So nice. it's very flexible and it encompasses a lot. Uh, but it's something that, you know, we're all, we are all thinking or speaking and thus we all have stories and perceptions of our own realities and, and how we're interacting with the world. Nice. I've been playing. And lo and behold, you can change them. What? So. <laughs> 
Holy <laughs> shit. That's sweet. Yeah. I've been uh, I've been playing around with a kind of mental construct I call storyboarding. It's the same similar kind of idea where in, rather than writing a down kind of idea, it's visualizing a storyboard because every time or a movie doesn't start as the movie in place. It starts as an idea, then the idea turns into a storyboard. And then you have scene by scene what kind of uh, what those things would kind of uh, look like. And I think that having that kind of playful uh, practice of visualizing a storyboard and you are the director of your life you, it gives you the opportunity to see things as you wish them to see and then you can build up the movie from that point in time as well now are you storyboarding forward present day or backwards in time forward cool yeah because yeah, so cool. it's going from the it's trying to this the purpose of storyboarding is to try to create a memory that doesn't exist yet and then yeah, th think in the reality of, of what's in the future. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's sweet. There's um, I really like that. Yeah. And, and especially the visualization aspect of that and, you know, seeing it for the different scenes as you, you know, will steps or filling in the environment or B roll of your own future. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of cool future looking story work exercises. And I think the biggest way that story work is impactful and, and the way that most folks typically start with story work is when it comes to, uh, well, most people don't want to change until it's too painful to stay where they're at, right? That's just the reality of the situation. Or they're super inspired to do something and then they they do it. I might be positively inspired, like, oh, wow, I see a race. And, you know, I don't know whether, is that a Tough Mudder jersey on the back back wall? Yeah, the world's yeah, toughest yeah, mudder. Yeah, super rad. So I, I've run uh, Spartan races. I've done 50 plus of those and gone to OCR worlds. And, you know, that's my, a, a ball, you know? And so, uh, yeah, I, the first time I saw that, I was like, oh, wow, I want to do that. And so it wasn't that, that I wanted to change from pain. I wanted to change from excitement, you know, and, and, you know, inspiration. Right. But a lot of people do want to change and decide to, to address the thing that, that is either one annoying them two has them feeling stuck three has them feeling hurt hurt or four haunts them haunts them right and a lot of people come to me in the stuck with some stuff in the next two categories in the hurt and haunted that you know just either are way back in the past or they're just not really you know uh, uh, willing to address with other people, you know, and we can clear that, get that energy up, out, gone, right, through the story work process. And, um, you know, that allows people to turn a corner and start to, to talk to themselves better in the future and start to believe some different, better, more positive things about themselves, which are more than likely very true. Uh, and then, then, those storyboarding and future casting and visualizations and perfect days and manifesting all those things can be painted with a tabula rosa so to speak you know that blank slate and that blank tablet as opposed to having all the other uh, uh you know stuff splattered all over the place right you know from the the static and the old mess of the old stories that were old pictures that aren't serving people anymore you know so you're going through an edit re you're 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 creating a compendium of the accurate story yeah and it's also 
taking it from something that's more like conceptual, right? So let's say, um, let's, mm. let's think about a, a breakup, okay? Right, uh, a, a bad breakup, right? You know, and uh, somebody titles the story, you know, um, when I left and it was 10 years ago, you know? And so this person's, you know, now 35 and they're, you know, they were 25 when it happened, right? And we've all had tough breakups, I imagine. Many of the listeners have, and, you know, things that might've taken you longer to get over than others. And, you know, uh, there's some, 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 you know, maybe you were the one that did it. Maybe they were the one that did it. Maybe it was mutual. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe you live together. Maybe you have kids. Maybe you didn't, whatever it is, right? Tough breakup. There's some pain there. There's some hurt there. And maybe because of that, because it was a, a painful experience, the the mind, the evolutionary mind and the body likes to remember these painful experiences and, you know, either one alter behavior or two, be very hyper-focused and aware uh, so that that doesn't happen again, or three, fall back into the same pattern. Maybe this is an inherited pattern. Maybe it's something we're playing out that we saw our parents do or our grandparents do or, you know, television or something or another, right? But my point is, is that let's say there's this hurtful experience that happened in the past and now today 10 plus years later it's still negatively affecting somebody right that uh the day after you know when he left or when she left or whatever the day after when i walked out uh that story i bet you could remember that pretty damn clearly you know exactly what he said she said you know how it felt it's still ripping your heart out it's just oh god you probably still have mascara on your eyes or you know like puffy cheeks from crying or whatever it is right you know but a month goes by and you know now like you holy shit it's the end of the day and i haven't thought about him yet you know and like you know six months goes by and now you're dating a new girl and you know like it doesn't mean it still doesn't hurt but the picture is going to change and the story is going to change over time Right. Maybe the emotion is still there. Maybe it's still showing up in ways that that, you know, you don't want anymore. And so today what we would do if that client came to me and said, hey, you know, I have this event. Cool. We would find the title we would name or come up with together or have them come up with the title of it. So when I left is the title. Okay, great. And we would get to that by, you know, hey, okay, well, what's going on? Oh, I'm just feeling stuck, yada, yada. I'm having trouble with my relationships, this, that, and the other, you know, and after some digging, after some poking around, after some really good questions and a lot of good listening, maybe we come back to, you know, yeah, well, <sighs> still hung up on that, that thing from 10 years ago. Right. So we tied it out. Then, he, you know, my client would write this out mm. just as if they're telling the story. And so now they're taking it from the head which is this fragmented movie scene and they're putting time, energies and efforts into it. Maybe it's 10 minutes, maybe it's 20 minutes, maybe it's five, maybe it's 30, but they're taking it from, from their head and they're putting it onto a, a Google doc that we're looking at together. We're sharing this experience. Right. And, and frankly, oftentimes I just hit mute and, or, and just leave or just stop my video. And nobody wants them staring at them, you know, just like breathing down their neck while they're writing some really gnarly stuff, you know, but, uh, what happens Kyle is most of the time, most of the time, this is the first time somebody has actually written that hurtful event down. Okay. Maybe that haunting event down, maybe that thing that they're really stuck in. It's the first time they've written it down. So they've taken what was, you know, a fragmented scene right before they go to bed or 
television static or white noise or just like little memories or whatever. And at least whether it's accurate or not, they've taken that out of their head and they've put it on, on the page, which takes them out of the movie and puts them in the audience. Okay. And so now they're looking at this movie on the screen as opposed to having it in their head. And that's a big difference because now you can see your role in it. You can see their role in it. You can see the big picture a little bit more clearly as this, as these steps progress. Okay. So the first step is titling this event and writing it down. The second step would be read it out loud. Okay. Sometimes there's emotion during writing. Most of the time there's emotion during the first read, but not all the time. Okay. It's different thing to have something to write something to maybe read it in your head while you're writing it and then to actually verbalize it or hear yourself say this. Okay. A lot of times what's going to happen is people are going to fly through this read. One, because it's kind of embarrassing. Two, because well, this kind of hurts. Three, because they really don't want to think about it and they really want to get through this section because this section is actually the gnarly section. Let's get to this next section that's not as hard. So the third step is we slow down the read by 30 or 40%, right? So in this step, it's not robotic, but now I'm actually able to see the words, hear the words, feel the words, digest the scene. And we're checking in along the way and, and checking in with physiological responses, okay? Physiological responses. What I mean by that is how our bodies are responding to the things that we're saying, reading, hearing ourselves say, right? You know, I could uh, breathe like this <laughs> for a minute and I'm going to get upregulated, right? You know, I could say, I love myself for the next minute. I love myself. I love myself. No, that'll be nice and calm. Or I can say, I hate myself. I'm such a piece of shit, yada, 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 right? And that's going to fire me up in a different way and it's not going to feel good. And they're all going to change the feelings in my body, right? So we're going to have these emotional releases along the way. We're going to feel some different things physiologically, uh, internally. We're going to have different emotions come up. And when we get to the last step, we're going to interject a big breath. <sighs> nice diaphragmatic parasympathetic, meaning relaxing, low, slow breath in between every period, we'll call it, at the end of every sentence of this story that we wrote down. And so, you know, it feels like magic, but it's not, it's just science. Doesn't really matter what is on the page or what's being read aloud or what's being said. If I breathe, if I breathe like that 40 times, because it's 40 sentences in this story, right? I'm going to be cool, calm, collected. I'm going to be parasympathetic. And it's going to be most likely the first time I've ever been cool, calm, collected, parasympathetic as it relates to this very hurtful or stressful thing. And having done the reps of going through it, of hearing it happen over and over, and then of downshifting along the way, now we're on the other side of it. We felt the anger. We felt the frustration. We felt the sadness. We felt the fear. We've grieved it. We've done this all in like 30 minutes, right? And now it's, and physiologically, physically, we feel totally different from high heart rate, stressed, fight or flight, when this first thing was in our head or first got on paper to now totally calm and cool. And dude, it takes really tough things that people experience and turns the dial down on them significantly so that that clarity and space can actually be there and that it can be effective.
dude, that's freaking sweet. Something that's funny in that moment, because I'm taking notes as well, because you're just dropping knowledge bombs. I actually forgot for a moment that I was doing a podcast interview. I thought I was just in a course <laughs> and I was taking notes. And then you said, dude, and I was like, what? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> like, oh, right. so I forgot I was here. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, so something I think that's kind of cool where, cause I'm just going to selfishly take a, the, the opportunity to just freaking grip as much out of your mind as I possibly can. There's two things that popped up that I think, well, okay. Three, the first thing that I want to acknowledge from what you said that I thought was really cool is I think there was like a reframe or like a narrative shift where I believe that a majority of people would do this kind of practice and hear it where it, there's the point of visualization or manifestation or a meditative practice. When you think it, ink it, put it from pen, pen to paper and bring it from a 4D dimension to a 2D dimension. And then from there, we can take it into three. So main point of that is I think it's cool that you referenced or that you said that this isn't magic. This is science. When most people would be like, oh, this is magic. But I like how you just quickly like nip that in the butt kind of idea. And I totally understand it. And then the second part that I think that would be really cool is one that I think I myself would for sure think about. And actually it came up. So I was like, oh, I just felt that like that resistance to this thought. And it was, where do I start? Mm. What Do I start with a story? Is there a prime story that I can start with? Is there things, how do you address a story? How does someone find that story that they want to work? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, you know, some people know exactly what it is. Right. You know, and especially if you're going to pay, you know, good money to a, a coach to help you work something. And then you m might have an idea of the stuff that's really bothering you. Right. And in the very beginning, I, I set a couple parameters. So I think the set and setting is really important. Right. And anytime I work with a client, I, I share the following couple things. The first thing that I say is anytime we get anything written down in a session, it's a huge win. It's a huge win. And if somebody gets off this call or listens to this podcast and they have a, something that pops up in their head, and like you said, I, I think if you think it, ink it. I love that. If you think of something, write it down, right? And it doesn't have to be just a quick thought or you know whatever. You could take whatever is in your head and put it down on paper, right? So if we get something written down in a session together, it's a huge win. The second thing that I share with every single one of my clients in the very first session that I do with them, uh, and I stole this from a, a colleague of mine, but I told him I, I would give him credit every time I did, and I have, and uh, he said it was cool. So we share the same last name and we share the same profession. That's about it. But the way that I work with my clients is I'm always going to shoot you straight and ain't nobody ever going to hear about it, period. Always going to shoot you straight. Ain't nobody ever going to hear about it, period. And I love that as well because that just sets the container of like, oh, okay, we can open up. And, and I'm often very vulnerable and share things that happen in my life on calls. And it becomes a, a, a you know, sharing of experiences so that people feel comfortable opening up and writing things down. So where would I start? If you have something that you know is bothering you, write that shit down. Just come up with a title or just start the, the, the story, right? If you don't, then where I often start with my clients is one of two other places, okay? Uh, on every 
first call that I have, you know, we'll talk a little bit. Uh, and just to get to know them a little bit, we'll, we'll fill out a couple questions. And my, my first two prompts, my favorite two prompts are, what areas of your life are you feeling the most confident about right now and why? And what this does is it gets people writing about the good things, right? Because no matter where you're at in life, whether you're in a eh, okay place or a really good place or a not so good place, you've got something that you feel confident in, in some capacity. And if you don't, great, then we know where to start. It's probably your self-talk. It's probably your confidence, probably your imposter syndrome. And, you know, if you can't find anything to, to write about, okay, but at least that gets the juices going. You can spend a couple minutes on that. The second question is, what areas of your life are you feeling the most stuck in right now and why? Super simple, very open. You know, I'm feeling most stuck right now in uh, my professional work. Uh, I really don't like my job and it's really frustrating me because I know that I want to do something else, you know, yada, 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 right? Um, whatever it may be. The third way that, that, we can dive into something or figure something out. And this might be something we could just do right now. All right. You and I can play this game, right? I'm down. Uh, cool. This is called a should detox, a should detox. Okay. Right. So, um, what's something that you might've said to yourself relatively recently, um, try to keep it in the affirmative, something you should do quote unquote, rather than you should not do, you know, but what's something that you might've said to yourself or something you can think of off the top of your head, or you might want to, work through as it relates to the word should, you know, so I should drink more water is a great example here as I grab my Nalgene bottle, take my own damn advice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, something I should, where I've been shouldn't all over myself. Uh, yep. it would be, I should be doing more and it's more businessy, but I should be doing more outbound reach or cold DMS. Cool. Or cold direct messages, I suppose. Can we call it, I should be doing more marketing? Yes. Or I should be doing more sales? Which one would you prefer? Uh, I think mar marketing would go first because then it goes content to conversations, conversions, consults. Or cool. conversations, consults. So I'll say marketing okay. for sure. Yeah, to, to sum it up. Okay, cool. Uh, say that out loud again. I should focus on marketing. How's that feel to say out loud? Like I'm obligated to do it. Uh, I feel a resistance in my uh, heart space, I suppose. Uh, I feel resistance because it seems tedious and it's not exactly the most enjoyable. I know I can do it, but I find that it's easy for me to fill up the time around doing it so that I get to avoid doing it. See how I should focus on marketing then becomes that whole story. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right. Okay. And so if we're in a session, I'm, I'm, I'm most likely just, you know, in the background on the Google doc. And I'm just like, as verbatim as I can. And I'm a pretty damn good typer at this day and age, right? Like I am flying, you know? And so I would have gotten most of that 
and just kind of had that down below, you know, and then that might, maybe we'll bring that up later. Maybe we don't, you know, Hey, did you know you said this as it relates to, I should focus on marketing, right? Cause if, you know, nine times out of 10, you're not going to be able to repeat exactly what you said. Yeah. You, know, you may get the gist of it, but most folks are like, Oh damn, really? You know, like, yep, here you go. So you feel kind of just pressure in the solar plexus, you know, it's kind of like God maybe isn't, uh, uh it's not warm and fuzzy. Right. And there's some other stuff attached to, to this of things of, of that, you know, businessy or finances or whatever the goals. Cool. Uh, should have to need to, these are all examples of pressure language, pressure language. Okay. Uh, change one word for me on this, right? Uh, change the word should to the word could. So I, I instead of, I should marketing. focus on marketing. So if I should focus on more marketing, it becomes, I could focus on more marketing. That feels a lot more like, well, it's kind of cool. Cause I'm, I'd like to think that I'm pretty in tune with it, but it was kind of cool. See, feeling like, a. it's like a, that's the best way I can kind of describe it. And it's just like, yeah. uh, not like weight, but it's like, it does feel like it's a, it's just more pleasant than should and could it opens up an air of opportunity. I suppose yeah. would be kind of the, the way to describe the solar plexus right now. Air of opportunity. I like to say it opens up the realm of possibility, Ooh. right? Ooh. Yeah. And you know, how many people like raise your hand at home? How many people do you love it when your boss tells you what to do? Just love it. When your boss tells you what to do. Love it when your spouse tries to tell you what to do or your parents try to tell you what to do or love it when your the government tries to tell you what to do. Right. Dude, I don't even like it when I try to tell me what to do. Half of me, when I was like, oh, I should drink more water. The other half of me was like, oh, you know what? Fuck you, Dave. I'm going to drink more coffee, you know, and it's <laughs> yeah. like just to be a, just to be a little rebel, mm -hmm. you know? And so we're eliminating the pressure. We're eliminating the, the, the authoritativeness of this thing, the finger pointingness of this thing internally with one word. And in fact, with two letters, mm -hmm. take out an SH and put a C, right? And it's... Mm -hmm. Here we go. And it's a, a different feeling. Okay. So now take it from, I could focus on more marketing to uh, swap the could with a can. I can focus on more marketing. Yeah. That's a much more empowering sentence. Way better vibe on that, that one. You said that solidly. Sweet. You just said, I can focus on more marketing. There was no, I'm Ron Burgundy on the end of that. <laughs> or, you know, you said that like you meant it. Like, try it again. Mm. Say it again. I can focus on more marketing. I absolutely can focus on more marketing. Reinforce it. Yeah, totally cool. Mm. All right. So there was a study done in the, in the 80s mm -hmm. uh, highlighted by Dr. Robert Chialdini, the book Influence. And... Uh, the study was done in old Manhattan office and it was, you know, peak big office, 500 plus people, thousand people, peak copy machine fax era, water cooler era, right. You know, less emails, more in-person stuff, you know? And, and so what they did is they ran these experiments. They ran three sets of experiments and they had people go from the back of the line to the front of the line and peak copy hour time. And they asked them uh, the first set, excuse me, can I cut in front of you to make some copies? And like 64% of the time they got a yes. So roughly every two out of three times they got a yes. Okay, great. Uh, next set of experiments, back of the line, front of the line, peak copy machine 
time and they said, excuse me, can I confront you to make some copies because I'm late for this meeting. My boss really needs it. Or because my, uh, if I make these copies now, then I can get out and go to my daughter's kickball game. And, you know, they gave, they gave a reason, mm. right. And they got a yes, 96% of the time. Hmm. Right. So instead of going from two out of three, by just asking and shooting your shot, they went three out of three by giving a reason. Right. The real kicker here is when they ran the set of experiments the third time and they said, excuse me, can I cut in front of you to make some copies because I need to make some copies? They still got a yes, like 92% of the time. So realistically, hmm. you know, listen, it doesn't even really matter what the reason is, but if you give yourself a really good reason and you write it down, you make it meaningful to you, then it hits home even harder. So I can focus on more marketing because I would be able to be, I would be able to help positively contribute to the well being of more people. Hot damn. I can focus on more marketing because I will be able to positively contribute to helping more people. Hmm. Absolutely. Big breath. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that's cool. That was a good smile. So I should be doing more marketing. I should be doing more marketing. Kyle, you should do more marketing, right? To to that, right? You know, and and you can do that with anything, any problem, any should to need to, you know, you can even do it in the in the negative. You know, I shouldn't smoke as much. You know, I should spend more time with my family. I shouldn't, you know, yada yada yada, right? And go down that that rabbit hole. And so that's a good way to identify a story or a place to start uh, working the words and working the stories and seeing how it feels physically. Cause there is a really big difference for most people in, you know, the first to the, from the first to the last example. Cool. I'm really glad that you said after that, take a deep breath, take a deep breath. Cause I actually <laughs> forgot about it there. And then it was almost like the, it was almost like uh a wave okay this is a cool um, this is how i'm visualizing it but it was like a wave kind of like that japanese picture where it has that wave coming it was kind of like that wave of awesome it was an awesome wave and then it was like and then that uh resistance kind of went down and then it tried to push up against the wave and then when you said take a breath that's when i was like oh i had to you know i almost went down a little sewer cycle there almost almost settles settles down in it got you in there gotcha. <laughs> yeah yeah you're like come back come back <laughs> that's so cool yeah that's pretty that's freaking badass dude so is it so then from there ooh, does a story ever finish yes and um you know it's 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 someone can be done with the story okay it might not mean that it's totally finished, but you can be done with it and you can table it and you can wring it as dry as it gets. You know, you can take a rag and wring all the water out. Like it still might be a little damp. You still might need to give it some time before it is totally, totally dry, you know, but you can get a lot of that energy out of a story and, and enough so to move on to other stories and feel totally good about it. Uh, it doesn't mean that things won't trigger you again as it relates to that story or, you know, those patterns, those old uh, you know, it's almost like, like, you know, um, 
old enemies on the hero's journey, you know, along the path of trials and tribulations, you know, those things may pop up again, those old patterns from the old, old, you know, uh, they used old elixirs for, you know, those things might, might come back. But at the same time, right, the idea of the hero's journey is, is to be in the old ordinary world in the new patterns and show up in the new patterns and also to have the elixir and bring it to the people, right? And so as we do our own inner work, and as we work our own stories, you know, maybe that allows us and opens the door to, to illuminate or help illuminate other people to this work or to, you know, the power that they have to, to free themselves from the old shit that they don't want there or to create new, beautiful, good stuff in their lives. Right. Um, and at the same time, you know, we're able to shift and adapt and adopt and, and be resilient with the stories that come up, whether they're from the past or whether they're new or whatever. That's cool. I like, because uh, the way I like, I, uh, my, I have a mental framework where I kind of just categorize things and it's, it's timeline wise and it's just kind of like sticky note style, but it's just like freaking dialed in there. And the second that you said, the moment that you said uh, about uh, changing the behaviors some, along those lines, story work is, the ability to, or this is how I'm kind of thinking of it. Story work is the ability to change or to learn about the self. And I heard this week, a really cool thing that Alex Ramosi said about learning. He defines learning about same circumstances, different behavior. Hmm. And when we are able to story work, we have the opportunity to be in the same circumstances. Like for example, when we just went through that, I'm in the exact same spot. However, I even feel more engaged in this process of the conversation. So I learned something new, which is the, the change in behavior, the resistance to content, I suppose, and marketing that went away. So that learn. So now I got to pass that threshold of learning about it. So that was kind of a cool little experience. That was just a thought process I wanted to articulate. Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. And it's, it's, you know, almost uh, same river, different man and, mm. you know, different, different time type type thing as well. And, you know, ride the wave as long as the wave is here with that. And then now what you're armed with is the knowledge of that should have to need to thing. Right. So then when, X amount of timeframes go by and you start to potentially either notice old patterns rearing their head or you catch yourself in an old pattern of having resistance to that marketing again because the wave has run its course and that energy has reached the shore and dissipated and you know now you either crashed or you walked walked your board in and got your stuff and went back you know or you paddled back out whatever it is right when you notice it when you notice it now you also have the awareness of being able to switch those words. So when that old, oh man, I really should step up my marketing. I can't believe I let it slip again, comes up. You can, uh, uh, uh. you know, I could get back on focusing on more marketing again, you know, because last time that I did, it really worked and I added X and did Y and I helped A, B, C and Z. And, you know, like it, it you start to give yourselves the reasons and you can talk yourself into those things a lot quicker and sooner and more effectively, you know? So I think all of us are very familiar with talking ourselves into a bad mood, right? Talk yourself into a shitty mood, right? You can talk yourself not only out of a shitty mood, 
but into a good mood as well, just as easily. It's just different words. It's different words. And when you have that knowledge of like, oh, wow, yeah, you know what, dude, you're absolutely right. Talk myself into a bad mood, I can talk myself into a good mood. You know, it might take some time and energies and efforts and you might need to move your ass and get out in the sun a little bit and eat some better food and, you know, like stack on a couple other different things here and there. But you can get from fat, sick, disconnected to healthy, happy, connected, fulfilled, you know, in in, uh, a shorter amount of time with some changing of the stories and habits and efforts, you know, and, and take the pressure off from the shoulds and have tos and need tos into the coulds and cans because it's important. There's a part of me that's almost like, I don't even want to post this as a podcast episode. I just want to turn it into a webinar. <laughs> <laughs> this is like very, you very cool. a little bundle, you know? And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little collab there. That is super cool. Uh, so the, Something I'm curious, so going from the tactical and from the informative, I like to think that for every coach, their mess is their message. So was there, and obviously there may be a couple stories, but was there a tipping point? Was there a tipping point story that you just thought to yourself, this is it, this is the exact same thing that I want to do for the rest, for other people without a doubt in my mind? As far as when I heard this, as far as when I heard story work, yeah, uh, yeah or where you were at before and then yeah. what happened past that point. Yeah, totally. hundred percent. So I'll give some context. So, um, I from Richmond, Richmond, Virginia, and I went to school like two hours west of here. And I went to school originally for business finance. And within the first like semester, I was like, oh, I can't do this math. And so I decided to be a history teacher so I could coach soccer and have my summers off. And that's what my mom was a teacher, you know, and love soccer, didn't want to work, you know, and got four years in just about to graduate and applying for master's degrees. And so I can get my master's in education. And I had this like, oh my God, I don't want to do this type moment. And, you know, so it was the first like, uh, shift in plans, real big, hard shift in plans. And I ended up because I had gotten into powerlifting and strength and conditioning, I really nerded out on that, even though my major was history and political science. um, I became a strength and conditioning coach at the university of Richmond for a year. So I interned full-time with them and worked in strength and conditioning at a, a youth sports clinic and, you know, did a bunch of, of, uh, training and stuff in that capacity. And, and I had zero flexibility of time or income, mm. none. And I was like young and I was, uh, and you know, um, wanted to have some, you know, I wanted to one, like go to the beach with my friends and two, I wanted to save up money so I can maybe like start a family or, you know, buy a house or do, you know, those things that you're quote unquote supposed to do. Right. So I'm 23 years old that I should do exactly I'm 23 years old or whatever. So I, I leave coaching for the, the first time and I go into financial planning and I get fully certified as a comprehensive financial planner, you know, get my securities license and series six and 63 and 65. And I do this wear suit and, you know, uh, get a house in the fan and start dating a a girl and, you know, get a dog and like do all the shit I'm supposed to do. Right. And should do again. And 
you know, I'm just like really not happy, bro. Like I really tried really hard. I was grinding 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. You know, I'm working my ass off. I'm doing networking events. I'm meeting people. I'm making my 50 cold calls a day. I'm slowly building up the the client book and the base to, you know, a couple hundred, 150, 200 clients. And, you know, I'm doing a nice little thing. But I'm like living a B minus life. I got a B minus relationship. Uh, a lot of drama, a lot of stress, a lot of emotional stories, hers and him's, where we didn't have nearly the tools that I, you know, have now. Uh, and we were obviously a lot younger. Um, wasn't making the money I wanted to make, even though I was working my ass off. Uh, had had way too many happy hours at bars and networking events, and now I'm, you know, stopped going to the gym, and that was like. I was going to be in the thousand pound club until I died, you know, and now I'm like not lifting anymore. I'm not playing soccer anymore, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, so fast forward a couple of years and it's, it's early 2017. I'm in my late twenties and I was maybe six months out of finally breaking up with that, with that girl that I was dating for five years and living with for three knew it was, bad for the last two and a half and you know just still dealing with it finally had the courage to leave that relationship but still stuck up on it six six months later desperate to leave my financial planning career and and get back into coaching i was going to coach health and fitness at the time personal training at the time and um had decided to help a friend run an ultra marathon race for the first time run a 50 miler and the farthest i had run was 15 miles we were going to do it for child cancer support you know, to honor his sister who had passed away and a buddy I was working with an organization I was volunteering for. And I was really scared and I didn't think I could do it. And I ended up meeting this guy, Mark England, who you had on your podcast mm. a couple of shows ago. And he happens to be a rich, what a gym happens to be a Richmond Virginian himself. We went to rival high schools, fuck Midlow on the record. Midlothian high school sucks. Uh, <laughs> all jokes aside, uh, he's, he was 10 years ahead of me, so it's all good. But, you know, we struck up a friendship, you know, going out and hanging out, maybe it's six months into that friendship, you know, we're having beers or something like that, eating Thai food. And I'm just telling him the stuff that's going on in my life. And he's like, man, you know, like, would you be open to hopping on a call with me next week? Be like 60, 90 minutes. I'll send you a Google document and just like, fill it out. And, you know, like, let's just talk. And I was like, sure. You know, and I literally had no, no idea what to expect, you know, and, and this is, I'm a personal trainer. I'm writing online programming. I'm doing fitness stuff, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm still a full-time financial planner. Right. And so I get on this call and within 90 minutes, Kyle, my, my, I went from a 10 out of 10 dial on the emotional relationship thing to like a five, which is fucking huge. Mm -hmm. I went from a, I don't know how I'm going to leave this financial planning career to I'm going to leave this financial planning career and I'm going to do it on November 15th of 2023 or of 2017 or whatever the year was, which was huge because now I had this, took this very amorphous, you know, out here thing and I put it down here and put it on paper mm -hmm. right? and it gave me time, energy, direction and focus and a deadline, which I needed. And I went from what if it goes wrong? What if everything goes wrong? to what if it goes right? And like, dude, what if you pull this off, this ultra marathon thing? 
Like, what if you actually go from running 15 miles to 50? Like, that would be fucking sweet. And like, you know what it would be, you know, and it went from, it just shifted everything, right? So that was my first introduction to story work in 90 minutes. I don't even know whether Mark was calling it story work at that point or not, or what, you know, but it was me writing stuff down and taking it from in my head to on paper and working with somebody to ask some questions and get some feedback and to provide a little context and clarity and it made it way better. Right. So then fast forward three years and um, I had moved to San Diego to uh, do moving with a couple other coaches in the health and wellness industry. And we had this like personal professional incubator three blocks from the beach down in uh, Pacific or Imperial beach, just North of Tijuana. And it was a, awesome place. And I planned on being there for six months. And I was there for six weeks because an old business partner called me up and said, Hey man, I, you got to come down to Mexico. I think I found this. I think I found this thing and I need you to confirm whether I'm crazy or not, or whether this is like the next best thing. And, you know, so I go down there for a week. Yeah. True story, dude. I'm down there for like nine days. And this was my, my previous business partner. And he had been traveling since like October and now it's February and it's like middle of February of 2020. This is my birthday around my birthday time frame in 2020, right? And so, you know, I go down there for like eight days and we end up within like 12 hours, right? I fly down to the very southern tip of Mexico on the Yucatan Peninsula, which is where like Cancun is, but six hours south of Cancun. I'm just north of Belize. And he had traveled to this to this little town down there called Bacalar, and then uh, which was on this old sacred blue lagoon. It was like, like blue is your sticky note behind you, you know? And, nice. and like, just, yeah. And then like tucked in with this ancient Mayan jungle and, you know, it's this little town, but they, they didn't have any more beds. And so they went to, he went to this other little tiny town 30 minutes away. And, and it's like, they're still burning trash on the street. There's still dogs walking around everywhere, but they're like the nicest family that he stayed with. And he's, they're growing bananas and coconuts and he's three blocks from the lagoon. And, we saw 72 properties in eight days. We went on a tear of, because it was immediately apparent, like, Oh my God, like, yeah, we're going to open a health and wellness retreat center down here. And I'm going to move down here. And I, that's what I did on March 2nd of 2020. I moved to Mexico, Southern tip of Mexico to open a health and wellness retreat. And lo and behold, a mere two weeks later, less than two weeks later, uh, borders are shut. Mm. COVID drops, announcements are made, the world shuts down, very scary, very, uh, you know, uncertain times. And we made the decision, which was the right decision at the time, though with current day information, I might not have made the decision that I made, but we made the decision to bail. We uh, lost a down payment on the little compound we had purchased and moved into, and we ended up losing the compound down there and uh, moved back to Richmond, Virginia. And I lived in this guy's walk-in closet for over a month, sleeping on the floor and wiping down doorknobs and just doing all kinds of crazy shit at the beginning, like we were all doing, I imagine most of us were doing. Uh, you know, <laughs> right in the start, right? <laughs> and I found myself, you know, a couple months after that, uh, really eating a humble pie because he, his business was a dorm room removal business, his, which ended up 
dorm room furniture removal. So he had contracts with local colleges and he'd go in and the beginning of summer and take out furniture and then the, you know, parents would rent them for their kids. And then he'd go at the end of, end of summer at the beginning of the school year and move them in. And then he had a little bit over winter. And, you know, so I'm in a steel warehouse in downtown swampy part of downtown Richmond next to the river in the middle of the summer. It's 98 degrees and 98% humidity. And I'm uh, uh, spraying and wiping down moldy refrigerators and, and, you know, burnt popcorn, blackened microwaves and for $3 a fridge and hating my life, bro. Mm. Hating my life, having eating such a humble pie and like knowing it too, right? <laughs> Being totally aware of it. And similar thing, uh, Mark was actually the first guy who I had, phys- first person who I had physical contact with after the the lockdown as we we met, he's got a farm an hour and a half west of, of Richmond or so. And we went in to kick the, the kick and punch the, the tie bag in his garage. And nice. that led to, uh, why don't we throw some pads on and we'll just keep it at a distance. And that led to somebody got a shot and somebody took somebody down. And now we're like rolling and sweating. And, you know, we got up and we're like, oh, fuck, if you got it. I got it. If I got it, you got it. Like, all right. You know, oh, well, like, let's get together and box now, <laughs> you know, so we were training a little bit and, and I was in this shitty suck and he was like, you know, why don't we, why don't you hop on this thing? I got this thing going again called, you know, and lifted. Right. And so long story short, first session that I did in a peer group of 11 other people. So there's 12 people in this group on this call. We wrote down our, our Billy the bully story, right. You know, our inner self-talk, our inner critic, right. We wrote down what he or she says and I think I went like second and I sandbagged the shit out of it, dude. I gave it like a, like a B effort. You know, I, I maybe like a PG, it was definitely PG 13, but it wasn't like the real, the real thing. Right. And the girl who went after me fucking sent it, sent it with all the stuff that, you know, her bully said, and the guy after her did the same thing. And the one after them did the same thing. And it was like back to back to back to back to back of other people being extremely open and vulnerable and courageous. And I came back on the second class and I apologized to everyone. And I redid my thing, you know, and I, this is actually, you know, what, how this shows up for me and what, what this person says. And, you know, one of the women in in my group had a story, the story that she, she worked publicly in, in the group and it was called the ride to hell. And it was about a kidnapping. She was kidnapped and it shook everybody, you know, and had bothered her for however many years. And at the end of the, of the course, you know, Mark was like, all right, well, we're done, you know, and congratulations. And everybody was great. And she was like, yo, I like, what do I do with this? You know, I don't know what to do. And I, and I committed, you know, I was like, Hey, I got you, you know, like, I like, let's do this, you know? And my first I think I did eight or 10 sessions with her after that. And my first eight or 10 sessions were, were, working the story of the ride to hell and seeing the transformation of that in, 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 in her and in my colleagues and, you know, in the eight weeks or whatever we were together and in myself and my own story and how I felt about myself and talked to myself and you know, my big bullshit things that I've experienced or whatever, which in the context of wasn't the kidnapping, you know? And, and so like it, it, it was just, I was able to see things very differently and very clearly. And, uh, I made a commitment after the the ride to hell stories. I made a commitment to do 
a thousand of these sessions and I'm in the nine fifties right now, a couple of years later, and I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. You know, it, it went from, uh, cause as soon as I started applying it to, to the stuff and using it with healthy holistic habits and using it with health and using it with fitness and wellness in conjunction with that, it, it, it was the missing link, you know, to, to, to improving and to having people stick on stuff. And then when I saw it applied to the deep and the dark stuff, you know, the haunted stuff, it became an avenue to help really positively affect people's lives. Um, my first, I would say 250 out of my first 300 sessions were in the, in the addiction recovery community. And uh, I work with a, with a couple who founded, started with one home and now they've got four homes, two men's and two women's homes in Richmond. And it's all folks who are either out on bond or just got out of jail or just got, you know, most of them don't want to be there or weren't there voluntarily. You know, some of them did make the decision, but it's often not, certainly ain't cannabis and it's often not even alcohol. You know, a lot of times it's heroin or crack or methamphetamine or something like that. And, and, you know, to be able to see it sometimes work and work really well and sometimes not work, but you know, sometimes there's resistance, but sometimes people take to it immediately. And it like, there's folks who are still sober, you know, large part because of this, you know? And, and so it, it just, it became super impactful very quickly. And I saw in many ways how applicable it is. And that's all in like the current and backwards stuff. And then I started using it, like looking forward and like creating the life that I want. And now I'm living in that life that I wanted. And I'm rolling that forward again to the next iteration, three years, five years, 10 years. And it's just the best, man. If you can write a story down, you can work it and you can positively affect it. If you can write anything down, you can work that story. Nice. If you want to consider this one of those uh, calls towards the thousand, that's totally cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just may. I, mean, we'll cry, you know, I just may. I just may. I'll go back wow. through at the end. Yeah. Check. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. That's so. That's so crazy. I think it's. I think it's beautiful that there is a <clears throat> communication. Or actually, this is the way. This is the way that I kind of chatted with uh, my girlfriend. We had a date nights on Wednesdays. And yesterday was crazy for our own story work in this context. It was, it was just breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough. Uh, and something that was really interesting was, what did I say to her? It was, so I'm really mindful of when people talk. And before being introduced to what you do, what Mark does, like, everybody like what everyone for all and lifted something that is i'm very mindful of is the articulation of the uh like it's easy to tell which words are not exactly in our best interest to use on a regular basis mm-hmm. and that part i was aware of the breakdown and the working of the story the story work that's a newer, uh, that's a new kind of, I'll just put it as like, a, it's, it's a new tool in my utility belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yesterday we were talking and she said a, a should or a can't or something along those lines, or she said something and I just, just like kind of caught her on it. And then she just rephrased it and she re- just readjusted it. And I do it often. If anyone does it, then I'm like, I know this is like be, being nitpicky, but I think that there is great power in the words that we use. And uh, how did I say it? I said it, it was language. I did it as a Twitter too. 
but language is the transmission of how did it go? Where did it go? Language is the frequency transmission of intentions. Mm. And what I mean by that, where language is the frequency transmission of intentions, we, we can understand. I've, I've watched people that speak different languages and I've heard intention both in positive and negative where they're going speaking to someone from a place of infatuation or they're speaking to from a place of resentment and anger. Uh, that's why like, you can hear people say like, oh, I can't speak the language, but I know that person's in shit because we understand yeah. the frequency, right? And language, the words that we use is the transmission of that frequency. So the words that we use uh, externally and internally they're both very important and are, we're going to have physiological response to that. So I just thought like that was just, there's just a whole like, like freaking an Assassin's Creed reference just popped up, but there's like an eat an apple of Eden where it's there to control your mind, but we're putting it inwards and we're just changing and molding the mind just to be more mindful of how we articulate the words we use for others and ourselves and being mindful of the intention behind it because the intention and the frequency, that's stuff that you can feel. That's why when you go into a room, you're like, I got some pretty shitty vibes about this, but then you can change the vibes with the words that you use and mm -hmm. it can bring calmness to a space. Uh, and so I don't know where I was going with that. I just thought it was kind of a cool share. It was just, everything's kind of popping together. And I think it's really neat. The, the power of something so seemingly small that we do on a day-to-day -day basis. But when we get to put the intention towards the seemingly mundane, then it's like we, we 2X the power output of that particular tool. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like we're, we're running, if you think about our bodies as the hardware and, and you know, our brains as the hardware and words as the software, the program programming, right? It's the program that we're running, right? A lot of our programs have viruses in them, shitty language patterns, shitty stories, you know, uh, unintentional or intentional dark magic, right? Uh, the definition of a spell, the Merriam-Webster's definition of a spell is a word or collection of words of great influence a word or collection of words of great influence. And we all took spelling as kids, the formation of words, like how you physically structure words is spelling. So when we speak, we're literally casting spells. We're using dark magic or light magic. We're using it intentionally or unintentionally because there's no in between, very rarely an in between, you know? And so um, that intention is energy. That frequency is energy, right? And the frequency is the sound vibration, you know, and the intention is the energy vibration behind it. And those things combined, we're doing it 24 seven, 365, we're speaking, we're thinking, but most of us don't have any intention behind those things or even awareness that we're doing it. So the first step is to even think about your thinking, right? You, you start doing that, then you're way ahead of most people, you know, but then you can start as you were doing with your, your uh, partner is, is we call it translating, you know, translating like you would English to French or Spanish to German, you know, but instead of, of, you know, uh, uh, 
from different languages, it's translating, no, I can't do this to I can do this. No, you try that with a can. No, no, I can do that. You know, and that's a simple example, but you know, the words that create conflict, there's opposites. There's those words build and create love, you know, and confidence. And then there's the opposites of those which drag us back down and, you know, shroud our clarity. And then the opposites of those, which, you know, create more clarity and allow us to see again. And there's just, there's so much power in what we're saying and thinking internally and externally. So crazy. Have you ever had a moment like the, mm, this is one that I've been kind of experiencing recently. And I'm kind of curious, what do you think? But there is the, I've been significantly more conscientious of my consciousness. Oh, that was a cool sentence. But uh, uh, with challenging the ideas. So I like to say that <clears throat> journaling is not the process of affirming thoughts, it's the process of challenging thoughts. So I'm, so it's a little bit less on the affirmations part, more of like, it's less defense and more offense. That's kind of like, I think people are on defense often and they mm -hmm. just need to learn a little bit more offense to have a better balance because when we can have that offense, then we are prepared to set the tone and the intention of whatever it is that we're going with. And it's the small things. It's just being a leader within the self. It's like proactive or it's like being proactive versus reacting. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then what I found is there was a moment where, and it actually freaked me out because it does, didn't happen really that much before. And this is all within the last six months. So, so the point, so I'm 33 now. And then for the last three decades and a bit, it was the last six months where I actually recognized this, where it's like, whoa, like it was very, uh, it popped up, but Basically, I was walking and there was silence. And I actually wasn't, there was, I went through enough conversations and enough unintentional, but intentional story work that it was like there was an echo chamber where there was only the consciousness of Kyle, like me, but it was like an echo that's how I kind of visualize it where it was like not a thought, but it was, there was not like the working myself up because I broke down more and more stories and then re re reformatted them in order to have more internalized peace. And I You're found, present. yeah. And it was having that presence. And I think that's, I think that's kind of interesting. Do you think that that's a common thin thing where you break down enough stories where boom, you just, you just find presence. I do. Um, I, I moved, I helped a buddy move last night, right? I helped a buddy move last night and, you know, he moved from one side of town to the other and true story, you know, and we, he had the U-Haul already loaded up. You know, I met him at his old place, had the U-Haul already loaded up. I followed him to the new place and, we parked the U-Haul and we, we got to work, got to task, you know, and the first couple of things we got out was the bullshit stuff in the front, you know, like a little, uh, tra the trash can, you know, it's like the last thing you rang and like an old like lamp stand and, you know, like just a, a little, little box of this, and a little dad. And, you know, so that's like one trip to get all that stuff out, but it, it looks, it's totally full, big ass U-Haul, damn, a lot of work, 
and a lot of frustration, a lot of resistance, right? Uh, a lot, a lot of heavy lifting ahead, right? But as it turns out, when we took out the two mattresses in the front and the couch and the dresser, which was some heavy lifting, you know, four, four things, four stories, four big stories, but four stories, right? When we pulled those four out, dude, we could have done cartwheels in that U-Haul. A lot of room to look around. Like, yeah, you got stuff along the edge, you know, but I, dude, I could have lived in that damn thing once we pulled all that stuff out, right? It had a lot of space in it. It was a lot more clear, right? Uh, we were able to to then start to map it out. Like we could start to plan. We could start to, to be creative. It's like, okay, well, hey, I'm going to take these two things. And if you put that on this, you know, and hey, well, hey, that the dolly will actually help us get those out. Yeah, let's load up the dolly, right? So then we we had the space to make bigger decisions and we weren't paralyzed by, you know, uh, uh, the tasks ahead because we got those four big pieces out. And so I think for all of us, there's anybody listening, one, two, 10 big things that we've experienced in our lives. You know, we've all lost people. We've all, you know, hurt things. We've all made mistakes. We've all been, you know, uh, uh, in a bad spot. You know, and some of us have had really terrible things happen, unfortunately. And, and maybe others have like, things are pretty good, you know, but it's just like, you just have some decision fatigue. You don't really know what to do. You're just kind of feeling blah. Like there's one, two, 10 or more stories as it relates to any of that stuff that if we, if we get those up and out of the U-Haul of the mind, then it creates so much space and clarity to do the other stuff you want to do. What a great analogy. <laughs> yeah. I'm really happy. I, I helped my friend last night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no shit. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that was like, yeah. that's, it's so funny because it's something that can resonate so much. I, and as you were talking about, I was like, okay, I can see, I can see the, the side-by-side where it's like, whoa, each, each item is a different story. And the more stories yeah, and- that you remove, then the more space you have to do cartwheels in a U-Haul. <laughs> Exactly. And some of them are smaller. Some of them might be like, you got to move them just because they're right in front of you. You know, before we could get to the big thing, we had to get the, the trash can and the lampshade and everything out of the way before we could get to that. Right. So maybe that big thing is, you know, the big thing, but we got to build trust. We've got to build rapport. You got to build confidence. You got to illuminate it. We didn't see that there was a, tr- a Chester drawers behind the two mattresses, but we pulled those out. Oh, damn, that's still a big thing you got to pull out. And, you know, it kind of illuminates things, you know, but um, being able to go through that process is so freeing. And, and it is very much like, like when you get back in, and you're, ah, all right, like we did the heavy lifting, right? We did the heavy lifting. And now we are able to take that step and take that breath and downshift a little bit because yeah, it's going to be a little bit of work, but we can, we can handle these other, these other stories, you know? Um, and that again, allows you to then go into your, go into the house and start like painting and redecorating and like making it pretty, you know? And, and that's the looking forward stuff. That's the fun stuff to me, man, is, is taking these stories, translating them and, and getting great power. Like the best affirmations are the ones that come from limiting beliefs, you know? So like, uh, in 2015, 2016, I hated myself because I hated my life. I was just unhappy with that B minus life. And I was like, I knew I was deserved more and wanted more and I wasn't doing it. And so I was stuck and I just hated it. And I got on a negative feedback loop or a shame spiral of, I hate myself. I hate myself. I hate myself. I hate myself. I fucking hate myself. Right. And it just like, 
I had all this evidence for why I should hate myself, right? And then I shifted the words. I love myself. I love myself. I love myself. And that was a slow turn, but it started, I love myself. I love myself. I love myself. And it was just, okay, now I started to see the world differently. Started to see examples of how I love myself and what would happen if I love myself. And, well, wow, the world started to love me back a little bit. You know, it's like, oh, okay. You know, I don't know. You know, and, and it's just now I'm playing with that evidence and I'm living in that reality. And it's a totally different reality and trajectory than I hate myself and the one I was in. And so, you know, giving power to your audience, like you can make that decision to change or to use different words or to tell yourself a different story in an instant. And if it's a big enough, you know, piece of furniture, if it's a big enough story, you can clear a lot of space quickly enough with some heavy lifting to, to really feel a lot freaking better, man. And to live a different, totally different reality. Totally. That was reality. really freaking good, dude. Thank you. Nice. Uh, it's actually funny. Earlier this morning, I heard there's a, <clears throat> I'm working on my speaking or public speaking is a skill set that, or a tool that I think is helpful. And uh, so I follow this fellow named Vin and it's very, it's very appropriate uh, timing of this one, considering we're talking about story work, but he, talks about or the question was the fellow that asked him uh how do i how do i come up with stories or how is it that i find stories to use in my explanations and kind of exactly how you use the u-haul your personal experience to in my opinion articulate a very complex thing to understand but you just freaking i'm gonna steal it i'm gonna be completely honest i am going to steal it and i'm just i'll I'm just, I'm for sure going to give you credit. <laughs> and I'll pass like, yeah. And then I'll be like, I'll actually send you the podcast that's in. You can listen to the whole thing. Make sure you like and subscribe. But then, <laughs> but the th- so he was talking about uh, how everybody has stories. Everybody has a ton of stories, but they just have not stored it. Mm-hmm. And so his tip was, when you are in a moment where you're inspired and you put a story together that explains a fantastic point in a fantastic way, open up your notes app and then start a story bank. Mm-hmm. So it's a collection collection of all your stories that you can reference in the future in order to hit the same point, but to articulate it in a way. And if you don't have a story bank, dude, put that one in there because that is gonna that is gonna have dividends. That's going to be Thank a dividend story for sure. Thank you. I'll keep that. And that's a great point too, is, is, you know, I imagine in that story bank, like, yeah, you might be able to write out some details, but you know, um, uh, spring break 2019, right? Like that story, like it might just take that one title in your story bank to be like, oh yeah, I know what I'm talking about. Nobody else knows what I'm talking about, but I know what I'm talking about. Right. And it's the same thing with these stories that affect us negatively. Right. Just as much as you're building up a story bank of stories to tell, you know, in terms of, of public speaking, you know, it could be like, damn, like, you know, top of the steps back when I was a kid, like, I really need to work that story. I really could work that story, you know, and then, okay, now that's in the story bank of stuff to write down and to dive into that could be helpful or whatever. So uh, I love that idea of, of 
pulling things out and keeping a, a long-term track and, and record of that. I've actually got uh, realistically the first book that I produce or write is going to be, I have a, a list of, I call it my, my quotes note, my notes quote or quotes note or whatever it's, I've had it since 2012. And anytime I see a good quote or somebody says some, some good shit, I put it in there and I've got like 500 plus. It's just, you're scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling of good stuff, you know, and stuff you've heard of stuff you haven't heard of. So, like I'm in there a couple of times. I quoted myself a couple of times. I said something that was like, Oh my God, you know, I threw that in the quotes note, you know, so it's going to be keep an eye out down the road, you know, made down, 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 down the road. But yeah, write, write your stories down y'all. Yeah, absolutely. That's so cool, man. What was I going to say on that one? There was another thing I was going to say there, but it kind of went away. It was the U-Haul analogy. What? Well, I'm not sure where exactly I was going to go with that one. So that's a good thing. I went on a tangent. So, Dude, you know. I freaking love it. Tangents are the bomb. I think mm-hmm. it's, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, yeah, it's funny. Uh, so if, I, if nothing's really coming to mind for questions, and I think you definitely hit the head, the heart, and the intuition on that last like freaking tangent, dude. <laughs> like the the U-Haul analogy, that's what I'm calling it now so that I can go back to it. That's my title. Perfect, perfect. That right there and the last part where you just reaffirmed and you, I would say this, giving people permission because I think people struggle with giving themselves permission. So I just pop that in there every once in a while. It's like, you have permission to change the story and your outlook of what you see and change the title and then mm-hmm. kind of go along all those lines. And I thought that was that was absolutely fantastic, dude. Like you dropped Thank some you. freaking fire knowledge bombs. I'm very, very, uh, I feel uh, learned it. Dude, I appreciate the platform and the ability to, to be able to do it, man. You know, this is... Uh... I love podcasting. Um, I started my first podcast in 2019 and co-hosted that for 65 plus shows and um, have done some other stuff here and there. I've been a guest on a number of podcasts, but one of the things that I really appreciate about what what you're doing in in your show is uh, I, I love general open questions and long form open discussions uh, a lot. And this is very much within that, that style. So uh, (laughs) big props and kudos as well. Very much appreciated. Uh, Before I get to the final two questions, is there anything that has to be said that hasn't been said? Hmm. Mm -mm -mm. Um, You know, I just, I, I love this, quote uh if you're going to try go all the way otherwise nice. don't even start and that doesn't doesn't mean you gotta be unbalanced or you gotta do you know crazy shit just go catch your dream jaw i dig it that actually kind of may tie well maybe i'll come up with a different answer we'll yeah, see. i'll definitely come up with another quote we'll find it we'll oh, find shit. Yeah. <laughs> scroll scroll the 500 hold on zero organizing on it dude. it's <laughs> yeah. just like, like just like i'll literally just open it wherever i open it and just like oh, add in here so it's just like chronologically yeah. all over the place you know oh that's whatever. great uh so the first the first the first final question uh you are at the end of your days 
you are on your deathbed, you're surrounded by the people that you care for. And there is no content of yours that exists. And that future book that you haven't written yet has never existed. It just disintegrates. Yeah, it's pretty dark. (laughs) So uh, what would be the piece of advice that you would want to pass on in those last moments? Be a conduit of love. I like that. Nice. Be a conduit of love. I very much so like that. Be a conduit of love. I like that. I mean, I, I thought about a Dylan Thomas poem that says, uh, rage, rage against the dying of the light. Do not go gentle into that good night. And it's, it's just like, it's, it's like a deathbed poem, you know? Dude, if you have it memorized, you can freaking narrate it now. I think it'd be cool. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not good enough for a narration, but it's, it's still, it's go, go, go look it up. Go look it up. <laughs> cool. What you said in that first little trend was freaking savage. So love it. <clears throat> so final question. The very best Dave Robinson is sitting right next to you, right? The, what I like to call the inner role model, the person that the version of you that you look up to for advice, for uh, advice, for all the information, like your inner role model. What piece of advice would he have for you for this season of your life? Hmm. What a good question, man. You know what to do. Just do it. And you know what to do. I know what to fucking do. And you just look at me and just be like, you fucking know what to do. Come on. You're like, all right. Yeah, Roger that. We all, like most of us know what to do. It is true, Still. man. It is true. That's so good. I like that. Uh, final thing. Where can people find you, of course? Rad. Um, I'm at workyourstories.com workyourstories.com uh, that's where folks can find out more about story work and schedule a uh, call with me a free call with me to learn about story work um, i if you're interested in experiencing story work in person uh, i actually have a retreat story work immersion company called we're at bestretreatsever.com which we couldn't believe it was one of those one of those we couldn't believe was available it's like, what about, what, what if we name this thing best retreats ever? What if we get best retreats ever.com? And it's like, no way it's available, but it was available. We took That's it. That's nuts. So best retreats ever.com. We've actually got a um, retreat coming up uh, mid July, July 19th to the 23rd in Breckeridge, Colorado. And our next one is going to be winter 2024 or like late 2023, 2024, whatever. This coming winter, six months from now ish. And uh, that'll probably be tropical, believe it or not. So um, yeah, we've got some some in-person things going on there. Uh, and I'm on the gram. I'm on Instagram at DaveRobinson.coach. So you can find me in a couple of different places, but uh, I am I am active enough. If you look, I'm, a, I'm out there. So <laughs> nice. Cool, man. Well, folks, that's what I've got for you for today's episode. So if you love today's episode, which I do not see how you cannot love this episode, it was freaking knowledge bomb on knowledge bomb. There's a lot of tactics, a lot of advice. Like there's 
there is power in this information. I would say that information wise, this is going to be one that will be able to help a lot of people. So if you implement the tactics that you even just heard here, which is probably the tip of the iceberg compared to what could be done, then do it just for the awareness, just for the awareness. So before that, after that tangent now, uh, if you love today's episode, please do me a favor right now and share it on your Instagram stories and tag me with my handle at Dapper Dude Kyle, along with at DaveRobison.coach. That is one of the ways that we grow. And until next time, be kind. And I hope your day treats you as good as you look.